The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. This takes the Bibles to Romans chapter 7. We'll pick it up at verse 18. Romans 7, Romans 7, verse 18. It's good to be back. Uh, our pastor is consistent making sure that at least one sermon goes out from this pulpit every week. And we're happy to know that we can still send the word out. Somehow, it cannot be stopped. Romans 7, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the but the evil which is which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Chapter 7 verse 18 is one of those verses that destroys the self-esteem of the me, myself and I generation. The great apostle Paul talks about the problem of humanity. And he begins with himself. As a Christian, as a born-again child of God, have you learned that in you, that is, in your flesh, there is nothing good? When you hear, you, when you hear people bragging about how good they are, all they're doing is comparing themselves with someone else who is just a little more wicked than they are. In our flesh, really, we don't have anything to brag about. I don't know if you ever had someone cut you off on the road that made you so angry that you find yourself saying things that you're not supposed to say. And then you catch yourself saying, wait just a minute. I am a Christian. I am not supposed to react like this. When you lose your temper, do you blame the devil? Possible the devil doesn't even know that you exist, but somehow we blame the devil. Or do you blame yourself? The standard that is acceptable to God is the standard of his son. That is pure and perfect righteousness. Something that I don't believe we have any idea what it's like. 
Paul tells us that comparing ourselves among ourselves is not wise. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that, com- that command themselves, but they, they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. In the song Amazing Grace, there's a line that reads, Amazing Grace has sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That is personal. When a sinner comes to Christ, he's acknowledging that he is a wretch and that he needs Christ. But in today's society, real Christianity is not popular because church attendees are looking for a preacher that will pat them on the head and make them feel good about themselves. Sin is removed from sermons. Immoral lifestyles are never mentioned. Hell doesn't exist because God loves everybody. Doctrine is not important. Faithfulness in your walk with the Lord is optional. And on and on it goes. Most people hate the Bible. and This book is becoming hate literature as we go, as we go forward from here. But the Bible is the only book that tells it like it is. And God doesn't care if you like it or don't like it. Wherever the spot of the, of the gospel of Christ goes, and people hear it, some will come to it and some will run like bugs looking for a place to hide. The word of God will make you uncomfortable and it, it will irritate the flesh. But if you keep listening... God's word will bring you under conviction eventually and you will bow the knee and give your life to Christ. But on the other hand, when you reject the Lord, your heart will become harder and harder every time you hear the truth to the point that you become angry when someone mentions God or his word and Jesus Christ, who is the only one who can save you, becomes a stumbling block to you. There's a supernatural law that dominates the world, and unless the Lord opens your eyes, you are unable to see it and understand it. All the evil that exists around us has an explanation. But without God opening your eyes, you you can't see it. Some people think that there is no devil. But if there is no devil, you need to ask yourself, Who's responsible for influencing people to commit horrible crimes? There's a force out there behind every wicked person that we can't see it. And we always focus on the person, but there is something behind them that we can't see it. The devil knows that there is a, there's a flame of evil in the heart of every person. And that flame, even though it's small, all it needs is a a little bit of gasoline. Once you put some gas on it, no one can tell what would happen. I want to speak for a few minutes about the law of sin. That is the last four words on verse 25 of chapter 7. So point number one is, in these verses, Paul presents one of the great struggles of the Christian life. 
That is the desire to serve and please the Lord and the constant opposition of the flesh that keeps you from enjoying the Lord in a greater capacity. It is difficult to accept the harsh reality that in our flesh there is nothing good. And because our flesh is no good, for sure it's heading for a hole in the ground. And one of these days, somebody's going to put us underground with a shovel. When you do an inventory of your life, what you're really doing is a reality check. It's only after you realize that you are on your way to hell and there's nothing you can do about it. It's only then that you begin to, to think that maybe this life is not all there is. It is then that you start to make plans for eternity. I think it's interesting that many people make plans for the future. You know, investment companies encourage people to have a retirement account. 401k or something to rely on when you get old and you can't work. But how about something to rely on after you die? You know, many people don't think about that, and that's for sure coming. Unsafe people spend time chasing after the wind, investing resources, time, and energy on the here and now. And life goes by so fast that before you know it is gone. Taking care of the flesh that in the end it will become dust. Romans seven eighteen, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to do the for to do will for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Talking about the flesh, Paul says that I know that in me, and then you see it in brackets. He puts it in brackets so that we will get it. Now, this doesn't mean that human life has no value. On the contrary, human life is so valuable that God created man in his image. And for that reason, human life is priceless because in every person, is the image of God and every person has a soul and every person will give an account to God one day. When you attend a funeral service, that is a time to reflect. You look at the body that is in the box. And that's the time where you consider what really matters. Every person is unique, a unique creation of God. But because of sin, for sure we're going to die one day. At the time of death, the real you has departed from that body. And all you have is an empty shell that immediately begins to decompose. First Corinthians 15.50 now this I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Paul knew and understood that when he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
That's Romans 7, verse 24. You know, if, if you if you don't think this is true, you know, if you neglect your personal hygiene, you know, like, you'll find out soon that there is nothing good in you. You know, don't shower, don't brush your teeth, don't change your clothes for a month. You're going to find yourself alone. Nobody will like you. How do I know that the physical body is no good? Well, it gets old. It gets sick. It gets wrinkled. It gets tired. It's frail. It's prone to break. It gets hurt. Requires constant care and maintenance. And no matter how much you spend on it, trying to keep it in good shape, eventually it dies. The medical community spends billions of dollars in research trying to find a cure for all kinds of diseases, and all they can do is extend your life for a few years. They have not been able to find a cure for death, and they're not going to. There's a part in you that demonstrates that no matter what you do for it, it is never satisfied and for sure is not interested in serving the Lord. Notice verse 21 says, I find a law when I would do good, evil is present with me. You ever tried to pray and your mind starts wandering off? You can't concentrate? You sit down to read your Bible, you get sleepy. But if you turn on your TV, you up awake. That wicked that is in you pops up every time. 21 says, verse 21 says, a law, not the law. The law is well defined in verses 8, 9, 12, and 14 of chapter 7. This then is another law. Now there are certain laws in the universe that are in operation which are irreversible except by divine intervention. And Paul describes sin as a law. God has placed certain laws and boundaries for our protection, and when we violate these laws, pain and suffering will sure follow. Sin is no different. You get involved in a sin, in a sinful, wicked lifestyle, you can be sure that pain and suffering will follow. Your sin will not only affect you, but it will affect your family, your friends, and anyone within the range of your sinful practices. And the consequences of your sin and sinful activities can be passed down to future generations. Gravity is another law that has deadly consequences. You jump from, a, from an airplane, from a building, from a bridge, from a cliff, without the right equipment, and most likely you will die. Hot and cold is another law. Without the right equipment, you jump into a fire, you will die. You spend the night in the snow without protection, you will freeze to death. Sowing and reaping is another law that has never changed and it will never change. You always reap whatever you sow. Sin is the cause of every misery afflicting mankind. Cancer, diabetes, heart attack, this, um, heart disease, 
lung cancer, breast cancer, HIV, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, homosexuality, and a long list of negatives that eventually will kill you. Every one of them is the result of sin. When thinking about this, evil always intensifies and sometimes will win and bring back evil memories, evil desires, evil ambitions. And without God and the influence of the Holy Spirit that rules your life after you get saved, with you, if you don't have that, you have no protection and you will never have a desire to serve the Lord. Now, after salvation, you see a drastic transformation on the life of the believer. So drastic that his behavior will cause people to think that he has lost his mind. Especially if that person got saved out of a wicked lifestyle. Because he will lose interest in the, in the pleasures of this world. And he will replace everything he used to do. To do with godly desires. Take your Bibles to Galatians. Galatians 5. We'll pick it up at verse 16. We'll read down to verse 21. Galatians 16. 5.16. I'm sorry. This I say then. Walk in the spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh. I'm sorry. For the flesh lusteth after against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would but if ye be led of the spirit ye are not under law now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft hatred Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, reviling, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told, as I, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's a good idea to do a self-examination every now and then to see how you're doing with your walk in your Christian life. If there is such a thing as a double personality disorder, it has to be the Christian. Because there's two people living in one. The part of you that is born again wants to serve the Lord and glorify Him in everything. And the part of you that is sinful, that part of you that has not yet been saved, is always in opposition to the new nature. Point number two. Romans seven nineteen says, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, 
which is in my members. When you got saved, you were introduced to something that you were not familiar with. And the sinful nature that is within you will manifest itself every time you try to do that which is pleasing to God. I need to point out that this is something that only true born-again Christians can experience. You will hate sin every time you sin if you are a true Christian. And every time you sin, you will hate it and ask yourself, why did I do that? You will repent immediately and go to the Lord in prayer asking for forgiveness. If you don't feel guilty every time you sin, do a self-examination to see if you are indeed in in the faith. Like we said, verse 21 said, I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You know, some people get offended when, when you try to witness to them. You go out there and you try to do a gospel presentation and they take it personal. I can tell you for sure that no, nobody loves you more than whoever is trying to tell you that they don't want you to end up in hell. But some people get offended. When they hear in preaching presentations, the man preaching address the congregation as you. But keep in mind that in every group of people who comes together to hear the word of God, you have saved and lost people. If I say we, I would be putting saved and lost people in the same category. And the truth is that there is no we here. Preaching is primarily for is primarily designed to edify the saints. And those of us who are saved hope that those people will be interested in hearing what we're doing here. And we also hope that they will consider the consequences of their sins and the value of their soul. And so I address the congregation as you to make it personal because it is personal. And I don't want you, whoever you are, I don't want you to end up in hell. And the whole point of preaching is to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ and to rescue souls for his glory. After salvation, issues to surrender to do right and good come before us. Simple things like church attendance is not a problem. You know that you got to be there and you go to church. Bible reading, that should be your lifeline. Always reading your Bible, studying your Bible. Praying, not a problem. Giving, treating others with kindness. All these things are met with great temptations and opposition from the law of sin. Evil will do anything to keep you from doing good, and this includes family gathering, believe it or not, friends and co-workers. Anything to keep you off track. Romans 7, 20 says, Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. After surrendering your life to Christ and taking a stand to serve him and demonstrating your opposition to everything that is sinful, evil will step up the pace. When as before, your family didn't care what you did with your time, now they get upset because you spend 
your time attending church on Sundays and reading your Bible and telling people about the new life that you have found. Every time you try to live for God and take a stand against the devil and the world system, or even show kindness to someone when kindness is not expected, you will get kicked in the teeth. The Bible has examples of people who tried to do the right thing, and when they did, they found themselves in trouble soon after they did something good for someone. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, here is Moses. He had compassion on one of his brethren that was being beaten by an Egyptian. Now, nobody can say that what Moses did was right, but because he wanted to do the right thing, and that was protect a slave, soon after he found himself running for his life, and he spent the next 40 years in the desert. Then God appeared unto him and told him to go back to Egypt to get his people out. He got him out. He spent the next 40 years, spent a total of 80 years in the desert, 40 of those 80 years dealing with a bunch of whiners. Joseph, one of the greatest types of the Lord Jesus Christ, tried to do the right thing by running away from his master's wife, only to be accused by her that he was trying to rape her. Because he refused to sin against God, he told her, My master has put everything in this house in my hands, and I am in charge of everything. And the only thing that he has kept from me is you, because you are his wife. Joseph said, How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? When Potiphar was told lies by his wife, he should have done some homework and investigate the matter. But instead, he put Joseph in prison. You can read that account in Genesis 39. David showed grace to Mephibosheth, the son of his friend Jonathan, in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And that act of kindness was followed by the incident with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11. You read chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, and the sentence that was pronounced on David was severe. Nathan the prophet told him that the sword will never depart from his house. David lost three sons. The baby boy that he had with Bathsheba, Amnon, and Absalom. And his daughter Tamar was raped by Amnon. Solomon built the temple of the Lord, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, but yet he married the wrong women, and they eventually turned his heart away from God. You can read that account in 1 Kings chapter 11. Peter tried to stay close to the Lord and went on to say that even if he had to die, he will not deny him. But when it was time to deliver on that promise, he was warming himself with the devil's fire, and he began to curse and deny that he knew the Lord. You can read that account on Mark 14, 67 to 71. Now why is it that the children of God find opposition everywhere? That's the way it's supposed to be. We don't fit in. 
if you find yourself getting along, getting along just fine with everybody, something is not right. It's not that you're looking for trouble, but the thing is that the world hates righteousness. And when you behave like a child of God, you will stand out and people won't like you. You don't go along with the heathens just to get along because that is compromising. You make it abundantly clear that you are a child of God and witness to them if they will listen. But if they don't, just keep in mind that taking a stand for God will get you in trouble. Why is it that even good, moral, hard-working people hate Christians? Have you ever met someone sweet, kind? They'll do anything for you. But the minute you mention God in the Bible, they turn on you. I have family members that are very religious people. But if I mention God, a heated argument breaks out. That is an indicator that the law of sin controls these people and they don't know it. Otherwise, why would they hate you simply because you tell them that you don't want them to go to hell? You live in a world that is controlled by Satan and he is the God of this world. If you are a child of God, you simply don't fit in. Sin and sinful, sinful activities overrun the world. And to complicate things even more, your flesh is your enemy. That's what keeps you from giving your full attention to the Lord. But regardless of how wicked this world gets, just keep in mind that as Christians, this is our hell and we can endure it. You compare the time that you're going to be around in this world, the lifespan of people is under 100 years or somewhere in there. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear hath, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love them. When all the sufferings of this life are over and we find ourselves in the presence of God, whatever we have to endure in this life is not even going to register when you compare it with eternity. Romans 8 and verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this life of this present time are not worth it to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So you ask yourself, is it worth it to give up all the things that this world has to offer? Only you can answer that. I can only tell you that life is not going to get easier from here on. The floodgates of the private are wide open now. And whatever you can think of and more is coming our way. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. So only you can focus 
on the future. And by that I mean the future beyond this life. Hebrews 11 and verse 16. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be, to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. Although that promise was to the Hebrew children, it applies to you and I today. For many centuries, Christians have been warning the lost that a day of judgment is coming. And it's coming. And that warning has been ignored by many. In these last days, Satan is busy. And although you can't see him physically, you can see what he's doing. People who take to the streets looting, destroying private property, burning parts of our country, are under the control of the law of sin. Who in their right mind thinks that it's a good idea to defund the police? Who do you call when a criminal breaks into your house? Do you call the police? Or do you call a mob of criminals? Why would anyone think that it's a good idea to legalize drugs? Only people with demonic influences will do that. Drugs are going to play a major role in the end times. So it's no surprise that we have potheads everywhere. And more are coming. That puts you and me in the minority. Why would anyone think that it's, it's a good idea to kill an unborn child? Only a maniac will do that. But that's what we got going. But even with the madness we got going on right now around the world, because it's not a local thing now, now it's everywhere. I don't like to look at these things in a negative way. I look at everything in a very positive way. And when people think that the world is falling apart, I like to see it as all the pieces coming into place. And our God is working out his plan. All I can say is that I am glad to know that God included me for his glory. In his great mercy, he saved me when I wasn't worth saving. And he will do the same for you if you bow the knee to him. I never get tired of bragging about Christ, even if nobody wants to listen, because I know for sure that I am on the winning side. Sin doesn't have to rule your life. But if Jesus Christ is not your savior, you have no protection against the snares of the devil. So it's my sincere desire that you investigate these things. Whatever you have heard, check it out. Look it up. In the end, you will give an account. You will stand face to face with God Almighty and give an account for your life. 
If you receive him as your savior, you'll have eternal life. If you reject him in Bible language, you'll have eternal death. So wait no more. Today is a good day to get saved. If you would like to more about like to more about what you heard today, contact us. We are here to help. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for this great privilege and responsibility to preach your word. Lord, Lord, I pray for our pastor and his family. Pray that you will comfort comfort them at this time, Lord. Pray that you will protect them, keep them safe. Father, I pray for every member of this church, for every missionary overseas, Lord, for every person that takes the time to go out there and knock on doors, give out tracts, tell somebody about Christ. Pray, Lord, that you will give them fruit for their labor. Pray, Lord, that you bring us, bring us back, allow us, Lord, to get back together in church and preach your word freely. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now for a benediction. We go to First uh, John chapter 5. And we'll read from verse 1 to 7. First John 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that, that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And is and it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness, that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Thank you for your attention. Hope to see you again soon. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.